On this episode, I'm going to tell you why I think the kind of quiet quitting that has you phoning it in is bad for you. Why the quiet quitting that appears to be deciding to have a full life should not be considered quitting at all and suggest some things that you might quit doing instead. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about what it means to be a late Gen X or early millennial woman dipping her toes into midlife. I'm talking specifically to the woman who sees this life stage as an opportunity to reflect on her life to date and to begin the second half with intentionality and purposefulness, whatever that means to her. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. We've made it to 10 episodes. I'm excited. This is both harder and more fun than I expected. Big thank you to those that have rated and reviewed the show. I really do appreciate it. If you are enjoying this podcast and think it would be beneficial to others, please do take a minute to rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews are the way that people outside of my orbit find out about the show. I would be very grateful. One of my hobbies is writing. And for now, it's a little bit on the shelf because I'm dedicating my time here. But I do love to write. And actually, in some ways, the podcast is scratching my writing itch more than I anticipated. But I'd like to return to writing fiction sometime in the future. And I will. But for a time, most of the podcasts that I listened to were about writing in some way. So the podcasts that I reviewed this week, remember, I'm paying my dues for having not reviewed all the podcasts I've listened to for years, but the podcasts I reviewed this week were writing podcasts. I reviewed Am Writing with Jess and AJ and Marginally. Both podcasts are hosted by pairs of friends who are writers and both offer encouragement to writers of all different persuasions. If you would like to review this podcast or other podcasts, I have a quick YouTube video on my site that'll show you visually how to do that step-by-step. Step. It's available at stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash podcast, and there will be a link in the show notes. So on with our topic for today. I'm concerned about quiet quitting. First, I am on TikTok, yes, but I've looked at it honestly like three times. And one of my friends who I met through writing tells me that I should be using it to promote the podcast. And PJ, if you are listening, you are totally right. And I definitely agree. I think the self-disclosure I'm already doing feels like it's exceeding all expectations. And so taking it out on TikTok just seems like a whole nother level. But I say that to say I'm not terribly plugged in on TikTok and LinkedIn and the hashtag quiet quitting that's been going around. But what I have been able to make of the melee is this. In the wake of the pandemic, a lot of people became dissatisfied with their work and many left their jobs. A lot of this had to do with work-life balance. People realized what a difference it made for them to be home more, to spend more time with their families, and they were unwilling to return to their pre-pandemic schedules. And as a result, we've seen what's been called the Great Resignation. Now, there's another wave of people who would like to quit, but are unable to do so, perhaps for financial reasons. So they are quiet quitting. With quiet quitting described as phoning it in, 
doing the minimum to get by at their jobs, not doing anything additional to what's in their job descriptions, and basically biding their time. But then the term quiet quitting is also being used to describe people who have decided that there are limits. Limits to how much of them is dedicated to their job. These are people who believe that they can have both a job and a full life outside of work, who want to find ways to generally constrain work to a specific set of hours, who show up, like their jobs, feel passionately about what they do, do their jobs effectively, but who want to round out their lives with other interests and pursuits in the other 128 hours they have each week. And somehow these very different ways of showing up at work have fallen under the term quiet quitting. So I have thoughts. Now, I want to warn you, I'm going to be a little bit more opinionated on this show than I've been before. And I recognize that what I'm going to say is not going to resonate with everyone, and it's not for everyone. And if it's not appropriate for your work situation or where you are in your life, no worries. But these are my thoughts. Phoning it in is bad for you. At the very least, it is certainly not good for you. But I really do believe it makes things worse for you. And I'm not talking at all about the ways that it could be consequential with or for your employer. Another thought. The aspiration to be both a dedicated professional, making a contribution in a profession, and existing in the world as a whole person with a family and other interests the fact that we refer to this as any kind of quitting is ass backwards. We can't wait for employers to prioritize our well-being. This show is about you taking responsibility for yourself and what you want for the second half of your life. Other shows talk about organizational cultures and healthy workplaces, and I do believe those things are important. But my job here is to encourage you to not wait for someone else to make your well-being a priority. I think I know some things about many of you who are listening. You're likely to be a professional who entered a career path intentionally and has invested time, energy, and perhaps money gaining education and experience to do what you do. But your career is not the total of who you are. You're also a spouse a parent, a child, a sibling, a friend. Perhaps you're also an avid reader, a cyclist. You volunteer for causes that are important for you. Maybe you're a fan of a particular sport or a music buff, however you would describe yourself and your interests. And as we talked about on episode two, maybe pre-pandemic your daily life started driving you more than you were driving it. You felt like you'd been more reactive than proactive in the use of your time and in thinking about the things you want to pursue. And the pandemic or other life experiences shook you awake, made you aware that even while you might love your career, it's not enough for your life, but that if you let it, it will fill to fit the available space. And now you're thinking you want to devote more time to friends, family, and other interests and pursuits. And maybe you think your job gets in the way. Not just in terms of the time that you spend at the job, although that could be itself a real issue, but in the mental real estate the job takes up and in the fatigue and the burnout that you find yourself experiencing after hours, 
You see yourself crashing at day's end and not devoting time to hobbies or interest because you're just too tired. So you want to shrink the footprint of your job in your life in some meaningful way. And for some of you, that will mean changing jobs, finding a job that will literally have a smaller footprint in your life. But others of you still love being a doctor, an attorney, a corporate executive, or a university administrator. And you're beginning to wonder if it's actually even possible to have both. Can you have both the big job, probably the job that you wanted, and have a full and enriching life? Or do you also need to find a job with a smaller footprint? Enter quiet quitting. Some of the advocates of what they are describing as quiet quitting are suggesting that the way to take back control of the out-of-control, spilling-out-over-the-edges professional life is to dial all your efforts back and to do as little as possible. Just enough to keep yourself employed, but not to get a gold star or be awarded Employee of the Week. Now, again, this show is about you and what you want out of the second half of your life. It's about setting you up in such a way that you decide what you want and are able to go after it. But this approach, I'm hard-pressed to see how it benefits you. It may feel cathartic. It might feel like you're sticking it to someone. But in the long run, I don't believe that it will serve you. Why? Doing good work feels good. Doing high-quality work feels good. Making a meaningful contribution feels good. Being in a position where you are evaluating whether you are doing just enough or maybe too much doesn't feel good. Sitting back and crossing your arms over your chest and attempting to discern when you have done the minimum to get by feels like crap. It feels like giving up and being dragged around. This is not an approach to use if you think you want to take your power back in your whole life or in your professional life. Showing up in your life in this way is unlikely to put you in a mental or emotional space to make any kind of changes to improve your current job or career or put you on a path towards something more fulfilling. It feels to me like cultivating resentment and feeling like a victim, both of which are very hard emotions to take positive, constructive action from. Now, I am not talking about the occasional bad day when we don't show up like we like to or when we're a bit overdone. I'm talking about the intentional decision to quietly quit as an antidote to a job you believe asks too much of you. I'm speaking to the dynamic of showing up and doing as little as possible to draw a paycheck. And maybe what quiet quitting really is, is just wanting to quit your job so bad you can't stand it. And if that is the case, then I do hope that you're able to find a way to do so. Because I don't believe that quiet quitting, as described, is setting you up for success and looking for another position. The thoughts and feelings that undergird barely showing up and phoning it in are not the same thoughts and feelings that cause you to show up as a dynamic applicant when you're looking for your next job. Yes, you say, but I'm not just being asked to show up and do a good job. I'm being asked to pour my whole self out at my job, and I'm exhausted, and I'm tired, and I'm stuck, and I can't do it anymore. 
I hear you, and I understand that you may have days that you are just barely making it. My concern with quiet quitting is that it does not set you up well to get unstuck, and I want you to get unstuck. The other dynamic that we have happening in the world and in the workplace, indeed part of the impetus for the creation of this podcast, is the idea that there is a way to construct a life where you can have the big job, whatever that may mean for you, and you can also have an enriching and fulfilling life. And somehow we are using the term quiet quitting to describe both of these. To describe someone who is showing up and surfing the internet all day, and to describe someone who believes that what they do is important, wants to do it with excellence, but also says it is not the sum total of who they are and what is important in their lives. And I think it is completely nuts. We have got it all backwards if we think that having an identity and interests outside of work is a threat to our jobs. It does not mean that you do not value and find meaning in your work. But I don't think we have a lot of examples of people doing this well. Even so, I do believe that it's possible to have the big job, if that's what you choose, and to construct a full life, too. And if I'm wrong, and it's not possible right now, or it's not possible where you are, I'd like for us to empower some people to start living and working in that way. I think that is worth working for. And if the answer for you is to say, I no longer want the big job, I don't actually want it to be such a struggle, or I never wanted this job anyway, and somehow I ended up here, I'd prefer to do something else and to carve out my full life around that. More power to you. Again, this puts you in the driver's seat. But I do have some suggestions for things that you might quit instead. Quit delegating responsibility for your well-being to anyone else in your life, including your organization or your employer. Here is the truth. In your life, you are a non-renewable resource. But to your employer, you can be replaced. You have the largest ownership stake in your well-being. Don't put something that important in someone else's hands. Take responsibility for your own well-being. If your employer is also invested in your well-being, that is a bonus, and they may be a good partner for you. But you need to decide what your priorities are for you, regardless of what your organization's priorities are for you. Number two, quit going to work every day without a clear goal or purpose in mind. Know what your goals and objectives are with this job. Do you want to advance in the organization? Maybe or maybe not, and both answers are okay. Do you want to serve your clients with excellence? Do you want to work here for a few years, make a contribution, and move on? Or is this where you plan to stay? Are you looking to acquire skills and experience that will get you hired away by another company at a higher salary? Maybe your reasons are not just professional. They're likely not. Are you here for health insurance? To pay tuition? To fund your life? To fund your lifestyle? Part of the being lulled to sleep in our lives that I referred to on episode two is the idea that because we do the same thing every day, we tend to forget that we chose it. 
and more importantly, that we are still choosing it every day. So why do you choose to get up and go to your job every day? And then ask yourself if you like your reasons. Number three, quit limiting your own agency and think about how to best engineer this situation for you. There are undoubtedly things that have to get done and responsibilities. But you're a professional, and there is latitude somewhere for you to engineer your position in some way to make it a bit more palatable for you. Figure out what tasks you really enjoy doing and which ones you enjoy less. Even what time of day you're doing them might make a difference. Think about how you might create more enjoyment around those tasks that you enjoy and minimize those that are less fulfilling. Perhaps they can even be delegated. Putting yourself back into control allows you to be more creative with problem solving. Number four, quit insisting on perfection and recognize the impact of diminishing returns. When you're working on a project, a document, a presentation, heck, sometimes when you're crafting an email, there is a point when it is truly good enough. Not, you know, good enough, but truly good enough. For most of us, it's really hard to accept good enough. And we spend a lot of time and energy trying to make things that are good enough perfect. And I would argue this comes at a cost of our time and energy and all of the other things on our to-do list that we could also be getting to. And part of that is because it's so terribly uncomfortable for us to be corrected by other people or for other people to see us as less than completely perfect. So we are not trying to make the thing perfect to meet a business need, but to make ourselves look good. And we actually may be delaying business needs to do so which leads to the next item. Quit pretending that everyone's opinion matters to you equally. Brene Brown talks about identifying the people whose opinions really matter and letting the rest go. And I believe that this has a professional correlate. There are people whose opinion of you, how you show up, what they think of the work you do, it matters. And there are others who may well have an opinion and you know it doesn't actually matter. It's easy for us perfectionists who want everything to always be right to treat everyone's opinion as if it's the most important. But narrowing that window of important opinions can really help to narrow your focus. It can be very helpful. Number six, quit allowing your calendar to schedule you. Take charge of your calendar. Plan in advance to be sure that you have dedicated focus time for big projects you know are coming up. Create space, white space on your calendar and windows where you know you'll need it. Schedule focus time on your calendar each week. Create windows when you're available for meetings. Do not feel as though you are available for every request made of you simply because you do not have another meeting on your schedule. And make sure you take at least a 30-minute lunch break during the day. Oh, and a working lunch doesn't count. Will you need to flex sometime? Of course. And you can decide when it's important for you to do that. 
Managing your calendar keeps you from being reactive to other people's priorities, which may or may not align with your priorities. Seven, quit pushing during ebbs in the cycle. Whatever your job or industry, there will be lulls. Find a way to lull with them. It's very easy for us to see these times and think about how we can get ahead and all that we can get done. And sometimes this is completely appropriate and will set us up for success later. But sometimes we actually need those lull times to work more slowly. We're not with the same level of intensity so that we can return to the busy times rested. If you haven't, I suggest you listen to episode eight on focused work and purposeful rest. Quit working in a half-assed way. And this may surprise you, but I am completely talking about multitasking and distracted working. It lowers the quality of our output. It makes our brains tired and increases our level of frenetic energy. And it allows us to believe, to think we're getting things done when we're actually getting less done. Plan your work at least some of the time. We all know that things come up. But plan your work to reduce the amount of time that you spend in decision-making about what next task you're going to do during the day. At minimum, identify your priorities for any given day. And number nine, quit pretending that all you do is work. Part of the reason that we have the perception that dedication to our jobs means 100% devotion to our jobs is because it is socially acceptable and we're conditioned to talk about how busy we are, how we don't have time for this or the other. We're also afraid that if we talk about having a big life in addition to a big job, that people will become concerned that we're not as committed to the big job as we should be. Those are the things that came up for me when I started to think about what was worth quitting. Where could you get some small wins here? What things should you quit doing? Today, I've told you my concerns about quiet quitting. I'm concerned that it disempowers you and that in order to quietly quit, and by that, I mean phoning it in, you are cultivating thoughts and feelings that are not going to have you showing up in such a way as to change what is going on professionally for you in a positive way. I've also said that I chafe about the idea that creating a full life, including a vibrant professional life, but not limited to it, is any kind of quitting. And I would love to see a cadre of professionals who are committed to a full life pursue this for themselves. And then I shared with you some things that you might consider quitting that I would suggest would give you more bang for your buck. And if you haven't listened to episodes five through nine, explaining three steps to turn burnout into resilience, I really do recommend them, especially episode eight about focused work and purposeful rest. I think you'll find some useful strategies in those episodes as well. So go to stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode 10 and find not only the show notes for this episode, but a link for a worksheet with some questions that you could use to apply what we've talked about today to your own life. Use them as journal prompts, make sticky notes out of them and put them on the bathroom mirror, read them before taking a walk, fill out the worksheet. 
That's stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode 10. And that link will be in the show description in whatever app you're listening or watching in. Thanks for sticking with me through the 10th episode of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. We are in the double digits. I do hope that you'll join me back here on your favorite podcast player or YouTube. Wherever you do listen, please like and subscribe and tell your friends. If you're enjoying it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week. And I can't wait to chat with you again soon. Bye. Bye.